probably six months were the most difficult because my body just wasn't made for it. You know, I was just used to like running and jumping for sport as in for football or rugby. And I thought, oh yeah, I'm fit and I'm athletic, like I'm strong and powerful. But I really wasn't when it had to come to doing it in a different way or a different format of doing those same skills. Welcome to Part-Time Athletes, a podcast that interviews everyday people about their fitness journeys. That was Kane Silver. He's a dancer, a dance teacher, and he also hosts the podcast, The Ins and Outs, which is about the ins and outs of the entertainment industry. In today's episode, Kane's going to talk about his dance journey, how he got started, and also kind of what it's like to work as a professional dancer. Let's get started, athletes. So at what age and how did you like get into dancing? Um, I want to say there's two answers. So the first answer is I was probably about nine or ten and a lady came to my, in the UK we call it primary school, I don't know what you call it in America, but we call it primary school, so I must be nine or ten, and they came in and did like a, a performance with other boys who were probably the same age as me, but I didn't know who they were, it was like an outside club, and they came in and did like a performance on like micro scooters, um, and I never really saw it as dance, they just did like a whole show to music on these scooters and instead of dancing they would like hop in beat to the music and like they would scoot around the stage and like do all these different patterns and I was like yo this is cool because scooting or being on a scooter at the time and like inline skating and stuff was really like the cool thing to do and I was like wow they're doing it to music and a performance and like they're hopping over each other or like over the back of each other's uh scooter and then they started like an after school club and they invited whoever wanted to come along and I went and tried it and then I got there and there was no scooters and I was like where's the scooters and they're like no no it's dance and I was like that's not what you showed me like where are the scooters so I just stuck it out and so that was probably my first introduction and from doing that I kind of didn't really fall in love with dance I always say like my passion wasn't dance my passion is music like I fall in love with music and if I love the music it makes me want to do stuff to it. So that was like my first introduction and then I started going to like these after this after school club I guess. And with the same people but it was outside of school at like a a community hall. And it was an all boys group and it's, again instead of us having us dance they'd have us like run and jump over each other or run up the wall and they'd like you're only allowed to do it when music was on so they kind of taught you and helped you build a relationship to move in but only moving when there's music therefore that slowly adapted into dancing to music like you know we'd try and like do the robot or someone would spin on their bum and it kind of all just came from that and I did it for probably a year or two And then when I was 14, 13 or 14, there was an advert for to join a dance group and dance for like the local radio station. And I didn't really dance. I just had that experience that I'd had before when I was younger. But I really wanted to be like Justin Timberlake. I always thought he was like the coolest person in the world, but I can't sing. But I used to copy his like I love you video and like copy all the moves and I could I could learn it. You know, I could do everything he did, but I just couldn't sing. And my mom was like, oh, you're really good at that. So she's like, why don't you audition for this uh, dance group? And I was like, no, no, no way. Not doing that. Like, that's embarrassing. Like I play soccer, as you guys would call it. Um, like I do boy things and I convinced my best friend to come with me. 
and we both got it like i don't know how we were probably tragic but i guess we were probably like four boys out of like 400 girls that were auditioning so they just took us and probably thought yeah we need boys and yeah from there my passion just grew for it like i don't know i got like an in like an endorphin release doing it it always felt good like my parents say that since I was a little kid, I always loved entertaining people and I always loved like if you go like on a holiday camp and they get kids to do like a little dance, little dance off, I'd always be up sta- on stage doing it. But I never really thought it as that, you know, I was just playing when I was a kid. And then, I don't know, my passion just grew for it. And then when I realized it could be a profession, I went on to do full time training, uh, three years doing lots of different styles of dance. And did you start that training after the radio station or was that yes. a little bit later? Okay. Yeah. So once we were with the group for the radio station, we started doing competitions. So that was probably 14 to say till 16. We did lots of competitions every month. We trained once a week. I won lots of competitions. So I was obviously good, but I never really, <laughs> I just think I was really good at performing and I was really enthusiastic more than I was talented. Um, I put lots of effort in. It was like A for effort, and like the talent was probably a C. Um, what style of competitions did you win? <laughs> uh, like street dance competitions. So I okay. felt like I was in like if anyone's seen you got served the movie or Step Up, like I literally felt like I was one of those characters. Me and my best friend, the same one that I convinced to join. And then when we found out dance could be a profession, we started doing full time training as soon as we left high school at sixteen. So we went and did three years of ballet contemporary jazz everything what was it like being in a ballet class because yeah I imagine I mean I see on Instagram of course there's lots of men that dance but in real life when I've attended classes there's usually none so well then like this is what 2006 so then like we didn't have social media and where I'm from in Wales uh, dance wasn't really a, a a cool thing. Like all you did was play soccer or rugby. That's what men did, you know, or you go boxing, you don't dance. Um, and I played soccer and rugby, but I also danced. So I kind of was like, I kind of got a, a pass because I did like the, the manly boyish stuff too. Um, but it was terrifying. Like I remember going in and we were quite fortunate that they didn't make us wear tights in our first year. Like the first place I went, they didn't make us wear tights or leotard. They were just trying to make us feel comfortable and confident, you know, because it was such a new thing for us. Um, but it was terrifying. And I remember always being like, I'm not doing that. That's rubbish. Like that's so stupid. And doing it the first, like probably six months were the most difficult because my body just wasn't made for it. You know, I was just used to like running and jumping for sport as in for football or rugby. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm fit and I'm athletic, like I'm strong and powerful. But I really wasn't when it had to come to doing it in a different way or a different format of doing those same skills. Because in our heads, you think, well, I can jump. So it's the same thing. But it's not. It's completely different. Like there's different techniques. There's different muscles you use. The position that you jump from, you know, like all these different things, like even holding my leg out to the side in second at 90 degrees, like it was torture. Like I'd get cramps. I still can barely do it now. You know, like it's so different to what we class as strength or like for an athlete, you know? Yeah, definitely know what you're talking about. (laughs) Whenever I take a class after a while, I'm like, oh, I'm not made to move this way. Uh, no and I'm still not like still to this day like I still have rugby legs you know they're still like muscly and bent but I had to learn the basic techniques to to achieve what I wanted to achieve 
So how do you stay motivated, especially this year has been really hard for everybody, but especially um, people that are used to going to classes or working in groups with other people. I mean, most dancers, you're in a big production, right, with other dancers and a director. So how have you stayed motivated over this last year? Um, for me, it's been really nice to not have it as a job. Because for 10 years, dance dance was my hobby first, you know. It was my love first. It was my passion. And then when your passion becomes your rent, your mortgage, your passion decides whether you eat today or not. It takes its toll on you. Because there's some days where you wake up and you don't fancy doing that thing you love. You know, like I'm sure if people have just a regular hobby that they like, they don't want to do it every minute of every single day for eight, ten hours a day. So when you have those days and, you know, the longer you do it, it begins to feel like a job, you know, and it becomes your stress, especially like the dance industry doesn't pay a fortune. You know, no one gets in it to be rich like you do it because you love it. But it does take its toll on you physically, but also mentally. Um, so for me, like this kind of like nine month hiatus away from having to do it as a job, it's been really nice because it's kind of been like a reset. It's been like, it's made me realize the things I love about it, the parts of it that I miss and the parts I don't. And I've been able to kind of remove the parts that I don't really love about it and just do it for fun again for a little bit and be like, okay, today I only want to do an hour instead of eight hour rehearsals. I'm just going to take an hour's class from my kitchen. And it's for fun again. So it's been really nice because it's kind of reignited a passion. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's been like, I mean, everyone takes a vacation to get away from work, but this one's been kind of extended. <laughs> it's been a long vacation. <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense. Everyone needs a break. Um, so how, you said you were taking classes from your kitchen. Are you taking a lot of like Zoom classes or YouTube? Um, I was taking some on Zoom. I kind of... I wanted to set myself a challenge to not uh, learn like everyone is learning because um, I'm this is my profession it's not just my hobby so I I assume <laughs> that I'm at a higher standard than most people who just dance you know so instead of taking classes a lot of the time what I do is I'd find an Instagram video of like a dancer that I like let's say like a dance a guy called Misha Gabriel um, I would find his video on Instagram and I'd save it to my phone. And instead of taking the class, I would like watch it and I'd train myself to be able to learn it by watching it. And I'd try and learn it as fast as I can. So I'd learn like a, a 50 second routine in like 25, 30 minutes from just watching. And to people who don't dance, that sounds like a really easy thing to do because <laughs> you've never probably never done it with such intricacy. But like that's a challenge to learn something from just watching it and understand the musicality and timing to get it accurate. Um, it's a really difficult thing to do. So I was trying to do that. I set myself the challenge to learn in a different way. So my brain would be, I guess, more fine tuned. You know, I'd be pushing it a little harder, maybe mentally than just physically. Because I'm not in a room with 20 other people trying to outdance them or trying to like push the boundaries and I don't have the space that I would normally have. So I'd be like, okay, I need to train my mind just as much as I can train my body now. Yeah, that sounds like you're setting yourself up to pick up choreography really fast once you're back in the regular yeah, Back setting. to reality, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what about not just this last year, but overall over your 10 years, um, is there any moment that 
kind of sticks out to you, or I guess the first one that pops up, um, that's been like a success, like you felt successful. So outside of that radio competition, um, maybe performance. There, there's millions. There's so many. What's the first one that, that you the thought first of? One, the first one that comes to mind would be um, probably... I, it was always a dream. I don't know if you guys all know who she is, but her name is Alexandra Burke. And at the time, I was already working as a dancer a little bit. I'd done a few little things. I was in like the dance industry, but I was very new. And I really wanted to do Alexandra Burke Bad Boys because all the dancers I really look up to were doing had done that music video. And they were all American dancers. And some of the British dancers had done like her promo work. And it was my dream to do that. I was like, I just want to do that. Like there was something really cool and mass. And I think it's because it, it was so masculine, you know, and dance isn't kind of seen that way. And it was such a masculine kind of performance to it. And all the men around her were like muscly and they look good. And I was like, oh, I just want to really do that. And then I happened to book a music video for her um, called Start Without You, which is absolutely horrific. And then <laughs> it's a, the worst music video of all time. And then I got kept on out of all the guys that did the music video to do a lot of the promo work. And we got to do Bad Boys, which was the one I wanted to do in Twickenham Rugby Stadium in front of like 69,000 people. So that was like, that's one which was really like a moment where you're like, oh my God, you did it. Like for two years, you wanted to just do this number for this artist and you're doing it in front of 69,000 people live and on TV in front of the nation. So that was one of those ones where it was pretty magical. Yeah, that sounds like a dream come true for you. It was one one of many, but the dream always <laughs> changes. That's what people forget. Like yeah. once you tick one box, like you don't go, that's it, I've done it, I've made it, yay. Like you, you might, for me anyway, my brain would always look for the next, the next challenge or the next target. And so what about failure? Because everybody fails sometimes. Has there been anything like maybe you auditioned for something and didn't get it? Or what's been like, one of the, the ones that was pretty heart crushing or maybe a blow to your ego. The thing about the, the entertainment industry. Um, There's a lot of that, isn't there? Is, <laughs> is I tell everyone it's 99% rejection. Like you get rejected all the time without fail. And it's not even due to your ability half the time. Like I'm five foot eight pale and ginger. Like, there's so many jobs that I don't fit the brief for, you know, like Beyonce. How, when have you ever seen a five for eight ginger guy dance for Beyonce or for JLo, like, or for even like many hip hop artists? Cause it doesn't fit the, the stigma of the role that you're trying to play or the story that you're trying to create. And I know that probably sounds silly for people who don't know, but if you think of a white ginger guy, you don't think of a hip hop artist or a, a sexy R&B artist, you know, like it's a niche. It's kind of a difficult thing to fit in. So for me, I got so many rejections just because of how I look, you know, um, and because of that, uh, I really made it my goal to only have, only be able to be rejected for the things I can't control. So, you know, I can't control how tall I am. I, I guess I can control how pale I am, but it is what it is. I'm not going to go on some beds and stuff. Um, and I'm not going to dye my hair because I want to be truly and authentically me. Um, so I was like, I'm going to make sure I look good shirtless. There's, if they say, guys, tops off, like I'm going to try and tick as many boxes as I, I possibly can. But even with that, there's rejection all the time. I've been told, so Magic Mike live in Las Vegas, I got told I was doing that three times um on different occasions and they're like yeah we just need to confirm it and the same in london i got told i was basically doing it twice 
and I never got it, you know? Like, even when you're told by, like, uh, part of the creative team, like, don't worry, you're good, we're just figuring out the last things, you're in the lineup for it. Like, you get told these things all the time, and then it comes down to the final say, and they're like, yeah, sorry, things changed. This happens all the time. So that's probably the one which stands out the most because I think it's something I really wanted. But otherwise, like, there's so many rejections, but it just becomes second nature. If you think of uh, most jobs, say you work in a bank, like how many times do you audition for a job or do you go to an interview for a job in a bank? Maybe once every other year, once every two years. Like when I first started performing and working, say 2010 to 2015, 16, before like Instagram and things kind of really blew up, I was probably doing like two, three auditions a week. So imagine going to two or three interviews a week to to fight with 100 other males or 500 other males for that job role. You know, it just becomes second nature. So rejection, you just kind of, it's just a, a weekly occurrence. You get used to it. I think that answered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what about, do you have any advice or, yeah, I guess we'll call it advice. Do you have any advice for anyone, male or female, um, looking to start dancing as a hobby or just for fun? Not professionally, yeah. probably. <laughs> uh, for a hobby or for fun? just find the thing what about figure out what about it or what if you think about it what what do you think you're going to enjoy you know like for me like no matter it doesn't matter what kind of the moves are to me it matters like the environment the atmosphere and the music so if you love pop music and you're going to take a dance class and it's like heavy metal you're probably not going to enjoy it if you don't like heavy metal. So just try and like find the thing that you think you're going to enjoy about it and go to those. Take a friend, like do it with people. Like dance was made as a social thing. It never started in dance classes, you know. It never started at a ballet bar or on a stage. It started around like campfires and it started as a celebration. It was a social as a social thing. You know, then it went into clubs and parties. You know, it's social dancing. Um and I really think that if you can make dance social and you can do it for fun and you're with people you like and you have a good time with you're going to enjoy it kind of no matter what and covid has really made me realize how important the social element of dance is because dancing on your own is nowhere in my living room is no or my kitchen is nowhere near as fun as being in rehearsals or in a studio with my friends awesome um do you want to tell anyone listening about your podcast it's very different from this podcast but I imagine some people might be interested. yeah for sure um so I have a podcast called the the ins and outs podcast um and it's basically showing you the ins and outs of the entertainment industry I'm really fortunate that over 10 years I've got to meet uh lots of incredibly talented people and I feel like as an outsider you always look at what you see on tv and you probably don't think of what goes into it or what goes into each individual human to do a specific role to make that happen. So I speak to, I've had a few celebrities on there. I've had like Justin Bieber's creative director. I've had Justin Timberlake's creative director. I've had actors, singers. I've had strippers on there asking them about their first experience of like stripping in front of a room full of women. Like just all different people within the entertainment industry. And kind of to hear about their journey and their experiences and kind of pick it apart. So that's a bit about my podcast. It's very different. Um, but if you're in, if you're interested in the entertainment industry, then I think it would be, you might enjoy. 
All right, athletes, that's all the time we have for today's episode. I want to say thanks again to Kane Silver for making time to do the interview, especially because it was like 10.30 at night in the UK when this was recorded. So I really appreciate you making time for this. If you want to get in touch with Kane or see what he's up to, you can check out um, his Instagram. It's at Mr. Ball Change. M-R-B-A-L-L-C-H-A-N-G-E. Mr. Ball Change. You could also um, find his podcast on Instagram. It's at The Ins and Outs Podcast. That's the whole name, The Ins and Outs Podcast. Um, you can also visit the ins and outs podcast.com. I also want to say thanks to you, the listener. I say that every time, but I really mean it. I super appreciate you being here, listening to this out of everything else that you could be listening to. So thank you so much. If there's any sports or activity that you want discussed on the show, or if you want to be on the show, don't hesitate to reach out to me, breeoutside.com at Brie Outside on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, also email podcast at gmail.com or contact Outside at gmail.com. Um, last, don't forget, I'm teaching yoga on Zoom, yoga for runners, regular yoga, 30 and 60 minute classes. Uh, it's live yoga on Zoom at an affordable price. So I really hope to see you there. And that's all for this episode. I hope you listen next time on Part-Time Athletes.